Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. This episode's going to be a little different. We wanted to chat about oil, but then also how that ties into finding a career in an industry that you're just passionate about. And we had come across this Instagram page. Um, our guest today is going to be Wendy, and her page is Wendy the Oil Lady. And she had a really fascinating story about how she got into the oil industry. It wasn't something that she really had any experience with, but once she experienced experienced it, just got completely impassioned with working in it, learning more, the technical side, the interpersonal relationships. And one of the themes we hear about in diesel a lot from business owners, shop owners, is how tough it can be to find people who are passionate about automotive or passionate about manufacturing. And we wanted to ask Wendy about her experience in oil and then also in construction. And, and there's some groups and things that she does where it brings together people who are passionate about their industries and really tries to help them find ways and direct people who might be interested. So it's going to be a really interesting podcast. Before we get to it, we want to encourage anyone that's listening on any of the podcast apps out there, make sure you go to the Diesel Podcast on YouTube, click subscribe, and then hit the bell notification button. That way you'll get notified right away when these episodes release. And we're doing a new format with them. So if you're if you're listening on a podcast app and want to have a more in-depth experience, if you want to see the trucks, the people, the parts that we're talking about, we're going to be recording video with all of our guests. So you've already seen some of them roll out. We're going to continue to do this. So want to make sure you guys go over to YouTube and search Deuce Podcast and subscribe. All right, let's get to the podcast with Wendy and chatting about how she got into the oil industry and why she's so passionate about it. Wendy, welcome to the Diesel Podcast and chatting with us about something that uh, I know interests all diesel truck owners, whether it's a pickup or over the road or equipment, and that's oil and lubrication and the things that we use to you know, keep these trucks and equipment running. So it's going to be fantastic to chat with you today, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for reaching out. This is exciting. Yeah, I was on Instagram one day, and, and I, that's how I had found you. And I was checking out some of the the things that you're involved in, some of the other podcasts you've done and the information and, and I'm reading through it. And I'm like, you know, this is a lot of what our audience either asks, um, works in themselves. I know you're involved in a lot of different industries and, and work with a lot of companies. And it's, you know, I, I know anytime we talk about oil, it's always a really popular topic because we're all so, we're so in tune with, you know, how it, how it affects how not just an engine, but equipment runs and other things that, uh, you know, it's, it's crucial to what we talk about on the diesel podcast. Well, and there's so much that goes into it and then everybody kind of has their own thoughts and opinions on it. And, um, if I can help clarify anything in any way, that's what I'm here for. So my favorite part is the technical stuff. So when I have <laughs> followers reach out with specific questions, yeah, I love it. I don't always know the answer, but it forces me to go figure out the answer. And then I always have that in my back pocket when I encounter it in the field as I'm out working. So 
anything that I can add to my tool belt and any way that I can help people. It's, it's a blast. How did, how did you get drawn to this industry? What interested you in it at the beginning to, to get involved? So it was so by chance. Um, I am definitely one of those people that fell into the trades. I did not grow up in it. Um, I grew up in rural Michigan. My parents did not work trade related jobs. It was, I was one of those part of the generation that was like, okay, you need to go to college. You got to go get your four-year degree. You got to spend all this money on it. So that's what I did, right? I went to uh, Michigan State University. I go green. I um, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't really have direction. I thought it was going to be the medical field. I started in like a nursing program, hated that went over to physical therapy. So like pre-med, um, I've always been into fitness stuff and I worked at uh, fitness centers all through college, um, and high school and, uh, decided, Oh my God, I don't want to go another four years after this to get my doctorate, to be a physical therapist. There's no way that's going to happen. And I was not the best student to begin with. I, I enjoy learning in the classroom setting, but I wanted to work. Like I really just wanted to go, work 40 hours a week, make ends meet. Like um, I loved being networking and being out with people. So at the time it was in the fitness industry. Um, so I ended up switching. I, my minor was in Spanish language. I took a whole, I exhausted our program in high school and was pretty good at that. And so my guidance counselor in school was like, you know what, why don't we just make Spanish your major, get your degree, and then we'll figure it out from there. So I did that. Uh, my, a good girlfriend who I met in school moved away to Chicago and for a job after she graduated. And because I didn't really have an idea what I wanted to do, it was another fitness opportunity. She said, Hey, I, my company's got this position open. You'd be good for it. Why don't you come interview for it? So on a whim, I drove three hours to Chicago, interviewed for this job, got it, and then moved a week later. Uh, so it was like, bing, bam, boom. But to the big city. Um, <laughs> while I was there working still in fitness, I kind of started to really think about what I wanted to do. And at that point in time, it was be a police officer. And hindsight's 2020. I am so thankful for them and what they do. But I am glad that I did not go into that profession with what it's dealing with right now. Um, and I was in membership sales at this point in time. And so I was doing a lot of networking. And I had a woman come in to buy a membership who was a manager at a oil distributor out in an industrial park in Chicago. And I, I didn't know anything about it. She, she liked my personality. She said, I have this marketing position open. I think you'd be great for it. Why don't you come check it out? And at this point in time, I had done a ton of ride-alongs. I was like, this is the career path I'm on. I'm going to be a cop. I'm flattered. Thank you for this, you know, but this is what I'm doing. But she was so persistent that I decided to go check out, check it out, go out there, do the interview, see what it was about. And I had never been into an industrial setting like this before with industry all around, you know, trucks coming in and out delivering things. It's right by O'Hare. So you've got the jets flying over. There's just, it's hustle and bustle and things are happening. And I thought, this is cool. Okay. I like this. Um, and they were offering me a salary and right out of school with all this debt, 
I was like, okay, this is, this is great. Whereas if you're going to be a police officer, you have to go apply, you know, and hope they hire you. And in some States you have to pay your way through the Academy. Um, So it could be a while until you are making money. So it was like, okay, all right, I'll do this. Let's check it out. You know, we'll see how it goes. And that was my first like real professional setting. So I was in an office doing marketing stuff that was way over my head, no experience with this high level type marketing. Um, it was my first exposure to the industry. So it, I fell in love with the industry that way, but I was a terrible employee and I will happily admit that because I didn't know what I was doing. They ended up um, eliminating my position Uh, They were owned by a private equity group. And so they kind of restructured every now and then, but I know it was because I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing. So my whole life turned upside down at this point um, because I had moved to be closer to them. And here I am without a job, tons of college debt. I'm like, okay, I like this. I got to know a lot of the reps while I was there because I had to work hand in hand with them that were out in the field. And I got close with one who did a lot of heavy industry. So he was more in the steel mills and things like that, dealing with them on a regular basis. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, I like this. Can I come shadow you for a few days in the field to see what you do? And he was all about it. So he took me into the mills um, down in like Gary, Indiana. And I mean, that was a whole different world. It was like walking into a documentary where you see them making things like how it's made and stuff like that. And um, so that was my first real exposure to it in the field. And I fell in love at that point. And so I found a competitor who was hiring for uh, field reps and I reached out and I said, Hey, you know, this is, this is where I came from. I want to be in the field. I'd love to come in for an interview. And so they, they brought me in and they hired me on the spot. And I feel like it was because I came from their biggest competitor. So they were excited to get me in and maybe get some knowledge on, on the inside, you know, but <laughs> um, once I got out into the field, it's, it really lit a fire under me to, to go out and be the best I could be. And um, I just loved it so much. So I had this passion and I, I worked my butt off and um, I put myself through all kinds of certifications. I took advantage of every opportunity that came my way. I joined industry associations. So they put me, this company put me in, we have different channels. So there's like the industrial side, which is all your manufacturing, the commercial sector, which is what I do. So that's going to be heavy equipment, heavy machinery and trucking. And then you've got your passenger car stuff. So that's like your dealerships, your quick lubes, so on and so forth. Um, so that was my main focus. And while we, I can go out and work with anybody, but that's really where I have the best education and where I can really talk to people. Um, so I joined industry related associations. So a lot of construction associations to help boost my name and network and get to know people and get to understand it better. Um, and I had some pretty good success and I, I don't mean that to like toot my own horn, but really putting in the work, uh, helped me excel. And, um, I just saw a need. I don't know. I I took the marketing stuff that I learned. So I started a little newsletter that was uh, oil adventures with Wendy and I would send it out. I'd I'd take some pictures where I was allowed at cool places that I'd go visit. So the different businesses and stuff, what, if I thought what they were doing was really neat and you, someone like me who had no exposure to this stuff, thought, well, there's more people out there who have no idea how this stuff is made or, or what goes into this. So somebody has got to find it to be cool while at the same time, this could help sales because 
I'm showing and I'm taking an interest in people's businesses and their, and their lives and what they do. And so I started this newsletter and this blog and that took off and that helped. And then I ended up switching companies. So I had another competitor kind of poach me away from that company after I built up my name and, uh, that's who I'm with now. Um, so it's, it's a shell distributor and I've actually, all three of them have been shell distributors. So I'm, I'm pretty partial to the brand. I'm a little bit biased, um, <laughs> but I don't represent, like, I don't speak on behalf of shell. I, I just sell their products and I have a good relationship with them. So, uh, that's what I do now. I'm still in the field. I am, I'm one of two reps in Chicago. I'm the only female on our team, which, I mean, that's pretty common. I've, I've, been the only woman in the room for most of my career now and have gotten used to that. And I saw when I switched companies right around the time of COVID, because that was right before COVID happened, I saw an opportunity to maybe start branding on social media. I didn't see anyone out there doing what I was doing. And it was, I had no intention of any sort of like fame or anything like that. It was more again for sales to help with sales to help kind of have a living resume, right? Like you can go on there and get to know me and see yeah. that I actually know what I'm talking about or try to learn it and um, really want to help people really have the passion for it. And so I just started it and uh, I went to, I had the opportunity to go to Con Expo and that really helped boost uh, my following being there and, and then getting to know other influencers <laughs> and in the industry and just took it from there and ran with it. And it has been great for business and it has been a blast getting to know people and then having opportunities like this come up. And so here I am, found my way into the industry by chance and love it. <laughs> it's really interesting. There's a lot of similarities we have. I mean, one of them is I know on Saturdays we're both rooting against university of Michigan football team. And so that's an Ohio guy. No, no, I'm not. Oh. No, not an Ohio guy, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely always always uh, a team I've never rooted for. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was the same way for me when I was growing up. It, I didn't get a, a ton of direction other than from my parents saying, well, you, need, you have to go to college. So <clears throat> I grew up with that, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had, I actually got involved in construction originally. Once I graduated, I'm like, well, I need a job. I, you know, have to pay for all these, you know, the last four years and I didn't want to go to graduate school and you know, just keep it going. And, and it, it's interesting how it all linked for you. And it just, it was something where, you know, when you first were exposed to this industry, you're like, I know this is what I want to do. I'm really excited about it. Yep. And diesels and, and the automotive industry were like that for me, as it was something that happened after 10 years of being in the professional workforce and doing something completely different. It was, Hey, this is really exciting. I really enjoy the technical information, the excitement, the passion, there's so many different parts of it. And I think that is really important, especially now for people to hear. And, and even anyone who's listening, who is in college now, or just got out and are thinking, well, what do I want to do? I don't know. I haven't been exposed to any industry that really excites me. I don't know if I want to do what I'm doing now for the next 40 years or 50 years. Yep. And so, you know, was it something for you when you, when you first saw it, you knew, Hey, this is what this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do, you know, for the rest of my career. I'm really excited about it. And yep. if so, well, you know, what's some advice you would give somebody who, who may know or may have seen or felt, Hey, I, I'm really excited about this particular industry, but they don't know how to get into it. Is it a matter of just being persistent and calling and, and trying to find that one opportunity? Or is it maybe, 
you know, taking a position in that industry, you're maybe not interested in forever, but you're using that as a way to get your foot in the door. Right, how, would, right. how would you, how would you, or what would well, you recommend to someone? I love that you asked that. And I have to give a plug to this, um, another group that I've joined recently and, and I'm part of the founding board for, which was the stuff that I was posting on Instagram this weekend called the crew collab. Um, it's right now it's kind of geared towards construction trades, but it, we're going to target all blue collar trades. And our mission is to just get the exposure out there that these are fulfilling careers that you can make a ton of money in that are having a big workforce development problem that need new talent. Um, and then to help change the stigma around them, right? Because I've been with, with my local associations, I've gone and helped them at their booths at uh, like career days. Yeah. And the, the negative reaction that we would get from people's parents when they would walk up to our booth and see that we were construction and laborers and, you know, all this was like, oh no, you know, Johnny's going to be a doctor yeah. or you can't like this. Those are the last resort careers. And that is so sad and so disheartening to me. And, um, and everybody who is that I've ever encountered in the trades is so proud of what they do and so passionate about it. And so to try to help utilize social media, we're going to do a, a whole bunch of campaigns where we will actually help kids. So if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I want to be a diesel tech, I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What are my options? We can help them figure out like, our, do you know, that there's some examples, they might have to go through the union, but in that case, okay, here's your, your diesel tech schools in your area. I'm going to put you in touch with them. They're going to help you figure out what programming you want to go into. And then you'll roll with it from there. So maybe people who don't know how to get into these careers, but for your, to answer your question, yeah, I would say follow your passion and just go for it. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, especially if you can find somebody who is in that industry, work in that career, maybe somebody that might be interested in mentoring you or helping you, or at least pointing you in the right direction. Yeah. Go for it and, and don't be afraid. Don't hesitate. People are going to want to help you. Well, I really like how you had mentioned that you wanted to do something different or that you're, you hadn't seen in your industry and, and the reason for creating the blogs and I have a YouTube channel. And, and as I mentioned, you know, I've seen you, I've seen the podcast episodes that you've done and things like that and stepping, you know, outside of a comfort zone per se, like a lot of people when I ask about the diesel podcast, they think that I originally started and this was comfortable for me. It wasn't, you know, it was really kind of hard to jump onto either phone call or zoom now with someone I maybe have never talked to or <clears throat> had talked to minimally, but how you have to, you have to take advantage and kind of create your own opportunities. And <clears throat> I see a lot of similarities in the diesel, the, the pickup truck market in a sense that I know a lot of shop owners struggle with, where am I going to find the mechanic? Where am I going to find good help? Where am I going to find a marketing person? Where am I going to find that support structure? And then we get even more into a niche and that's, it's dealing with diesel pickup trucks and maybe even a little bit of performance and they have this huge need for workers, for yes. people who want to do it. And I, and I see a lot of similarities with what you just mentioned, you know, with the trade shows where you go to and, and there can almost be this stigma attached to it, but it's, to me, it's so exciting. And 
you know, th- that's one of the reasons I was really looking forward to this podcast is I saw how these two different industries kind of meet and I know we're going to chat about oil and things like that here in a minute, but just, just the similarities with it and how you've carved a path that I know a lot of people that message into us and they say, Hey, Patrick, I, I listen to the podcast. I want to do this for a career. Where do I start? And right. I, I can kind of tr- try to help them, but I don't see anything in our industry, like what you're doing, where there's a group of people who get together and we're saying, Hey, if somebody reaches out to us, we can tell them, Hey, this is where you start, or here's some tips or some things that you can look at. Yep. So we're hoping that it takes off. I think it will. We've got some big OEMs behind us. Um, yeah, it'll be good. And, and I, and I do, I want to be clear too, like for any ladies who are listening out there, like it was intimidating at first. I mean, when, when I would walk into a, uh, diesel shops, job sites, things like that. You can definitely tell that you're being watched. They're not used to someone like you stepping in the door. Um, But as long as you present yourself well with confidence and professionally, and maybe take a little extra time to get versed in the language and are genuine, they are happy to work with it. I have never thought that my gender was an obstacle to anything. I mean, you get once in a blue moon, you get some idiot who has his own issues that wants to say some comment or something like that. You can't let that get under your skin. But as far as in general, I feel like I almost have an advantage because I can walk in the back door to a shop at a company and go talk to the guy and he's happy to talk to me. Versus when my male counterpart does that, he gets kicked out immediately and told to go into the front and see the gatekeeper yeah. and check in. And, you know, um, but as, and as long as I have proven that I understand what's going on or that I, I'm going to try to find the answer if I don't know it yeah. and I'm going to take care of them to the best of my ability, it's I've, I've had great success, like I've said, and I, I want to encourage any women out there to just to just go for it. Um, and it's a blast and everybody's respectful for the most part. And, and I know everybody has different experiences, but this has been mine and um, I love it. That's another really important aspect as well as, you know, in the diesel automotive side is I know that with a lot of these shops and a lot of these companies, the, you know, a, say a guy starts a, a shop in Texas or Oklahoma or any, any state and he's out there diagnosing trucks, working on them. Well, his wife is running the business. She's doing the marketing. She's doing the payroll. She's organizing all those things. And I learned really quick, the reason a lot of these shops are running and are doing really well is because women are running them and yeah. how they do it. And and sometimes we'll get uh, you know younger women that are really, they're really excited and passionate about diesels. And I think they can almost be a little intimidated because it is so heavily male dominated and I always like to have these stories on of women who have been successful in their own careers and how they did it and it's really about the the content of the work and doing the work and not to be intimidated by it and it's so it's really exciting to to hear you know what you said and and the work that that you guys are doing on that for anyone that's listening and you know there's women out there it's like hey I'm I'm really excited about this I want to own my own shop or I want to manufacture this part or I want to do whatever it is I want to do not to let some of these older things that may be attached to the industry prevent them from doing that yep well and there's such a need for talent in all of these industries now that Mm -hmm. to not look at women as a viable workforce solution is 
stupid for lack yeah. of a better term. Um, and yes. And I have been told by customers before that they would almost rather work with a, a female rep because they pay more attention to detail. They get back at a, mm-hmm. at a quicker rate, you know, um, they work a little bit harder and that's not the case at always. I don't want to discount my male counterparts. They're great too. Um, but I have heard this from people and I, I actually just went into a machine shop a couple weeks ago. Uh, they were manufacturing uh, defense mod- modules that go into uh, defense jets, like uh, military jets and things like that. And he said that he prefers to hire women operators for his machines because they pay greater attention to the detail of the product and he gets a better product from it. Um, so there is definitely there's definitely a place for all of us within the trades. Now, as far as, you know, when we're, when I was reading through, you know, some of the the blog posts that you have and, and some of the, the YouTube videos that you made, I was thinking about the diesel pickup truck market. And the first thing that I thought about was, you know, anytime we've covered oil, it's just a massive topic because we're all, we all want these trucks to last. We all invest in them. And there's so many choices out there. And you know, like I know my dad, he's a dedicated Rotella fan. So I mean, <laughs> that was, <laughs> like them. Right. And, and so, you know, from your perspective, what do you guys, or, or how do you come across the, the diesel pickup truck market, whether it's fleets or individuals or something like that? What, what, um, what are people asking for? What are they curious about? What are common questions they might ask as it relates to oil or lubricants or anything to maintain their vehicles? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So the most frequent questions that I get, at least over social media on my Instagram page, um, come from pickup owners who give me the year, make, model, engine type of their truck, and they want to know what to use in it um, as far as engine oil goes. That's going to be my most common question. When I'm dealing with pickups, it's usually as part of a fleet. So it's going to be a, like a municipality, the public works department, who's got a service, their heavy equipment, their, their trucks and, you know, their heavy trucks and their pickups for their guys. Or it's going to be like a, like a construction contractor who's got their fleet of pickups for their project managers and estimators and things like that. I don't get into it much beyond that, to be honest. Uh, most of the stuff that I'm dealing with is going to be like class eight um, large diesel, you know, your Kenworth, your, your, uh, Peterbilt, your Volvo, or your, your heavy construction machinery. That's typically what I'm dealing with. Um, but yes, that's going to be the most common question. What engine oil do I use in it? I think that there's a lot of, a lot of our listeners who they have a diesel truck, but they work in something else. And I know a lot of them work on heavy equipment or they're involved in trades where they're using diesel engines. And I think with, especially on the pickup truck side, but I imagine in the over the road stuff as well, his emission standards and changes as time goes on definitely affect what, what, what kind of questions people ask, but then also 
what kind of products are are available. So, you know, as far as in 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 your part of the industry is when there are these massive changes in, in emissions or like with a fleet and I think they're getting ready to change here in a couple of years as well for pickups, but is, is it hard to educate the, the fleet managers to say, Hey, there's going to be a change in, um, you know, in emission standards or something like that. And here's this new product or, or do they just lean on you entirely and just say, Hey, we know, you know, you know what you're talking about. Um, we need to run this different oil in this year truck or this fleet that we have versus other one or how does that all work when there are changes in maintenance products that, that sure. people need? I would say it's case by case um, uh, I get a, I have I would say half my clientele is pretty old school and has been in the industry for many many years and they know what's best and you're not going to convince them otherwise and the no regulation, no OEM recommendation is going to convince them otherwise. And that's fine. You know, there's a place for that. The other half I would say are um, like where I'm starting to see younger guys get into fleet management roles and things like that. And they are much more open to asking the questions, listening to all the different answers, utilizing different technologies um, or, and sticking to the OEM recommendations, like really wanting to be by the book. Um, so, and lubricants is interesting because there's not everything, like I said, is case by case. Everything is going to be a custom answer. So really the recommendations that are given are going to be based on your specific uh, application, what you're doing with that vehicle or that piece of machinery, uh, what the environment's like, all the factors that are going into it as far as the recommendation that I'm going to give. If I'm going to be really correct in what I'm doing. Um, but most of the time I'll get questions like a guy, I, I have this quite often. I had it last week. I have a, um, a small fleet. They've got a beautiful fleet of trucks that they have, but they're small, you know, family owned company. And he's bringing in his first post emissions truck. That's going to have the whole DPF system. He's got to buy deaf now. He's not experienced in this cause he's never had to deal with it. And so he called me. So, yeah. okay. They told me the guy who's selling this to me said, I got to run 1030 in it, Synblend 1030. I'm carrying 1540 right now. I really don't want to carry two products. What do you recommend? Like what's really going on here? And when I'm representing companies, I have to say the politically correct answer, right? But then really there is, there's a good answer that can be kind of behind the scenes that's given. So to this gentleman, I would say, you know what? when they are calling for different viscosity weights on these oils, the OEMs are going into lighter oils because that there's a push by governments to, to lower emissions, right? And so yeah. um, lighter oils are easier to push through the engine. They get through it faster and therefore you get some fuel economy savings. So therefore you're having to use less fuel per gallon as you're driving. It's very minimal, but in a large over-the-road fleet that's going from New York to Canada or to California, they're going to see that fuel savings. The local guy who's just doing a, a small radius, run-in, stop-and-go, this and that, he's not really going to see that difference in fuel economy. Um, there is the benefit of um, just the better efficiency, the better, the better quality, the better protection on cold starts that these lighter oils have, right? Because you're going to get that oil into the engine and 
protecting the components quicker than you would on a heavier product. Um, so there's that to take into consideration, but the difference for the viscosity grades is the difference in the operating temperature. So in the US here, we don't have a big enough swing to, to say, okay, you're over here in Florida, you need to use this grade of a product. You're up here in uh, Washington state or uh, Minnesota, you need to use this product. It's not a big enough temperature swing. You can run 1540, 1030, or 540 in anywhere in the country, and you're gonna have sufficient protection um, as far as your temperature ranges go. But that is the main differentiating factor in the viscosity grade differences is operating an environmental temperature protection. Um, so that's really to answer the question there. It's it's any of those products is gonna work fine in any diesel engine in the US, in my opinion. Now that's not the politically correct answer, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I imagine with fleets too, it's so much different than you know what we're typically used to even on the podcast chatting with people. It's usually <clears throat> one person who has a particular brand or a particular weight um, that they're 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 used to but once we get into 10 trucks 15 100 1000 however many it might be it's a totally different process that you go through to analyze that with how they're how they're maintaining it and I, I think that's one of the things that, that really really interested me and got me thinking in a different way um, about oil and about even things like df and, and greases and other types of things is what if it's not just our truck? What if this is an entire fleet we use for our business and our customers? How do you approach that? And you look for a complete solution to it. Just like the the example you gave, you know, he didn't want to have to stock two different types of oils for his trucks. He, he was looking yeah. for one thing. Yeah. And and so that's a really interesting, you know, aspect to it. And, you know, as far as some of the other things besides oil, like, like DEF and, and stuff like that, have you found in your experience that these fleet managers or companies are just, you know, when it comes to DEF or some of the newer things on diesels, they're just, they've accepted that's just part of their maintenance process, or is it kind of harder to get them on board with, Hey, you're gonna have to buy this extra thing. How does that work on, on your side? They've definitely accepted it at this point in time. Most places that I go have to have deaf on hand. Um, it's pretty, pretty few and far between now to find companies who have managed to keep their entire fleet pre emissions. Yeah. Um, as we get further down the road here, but yeah, I would say they've, they've generally just accepted it. Nobody's really happy about it. Nobody wants to deal with it. It's a headache and it's a yeah. hassle, um, but they are. So we do our best to take care of them and help them mitigate the problems that come up when they do and go from there. How often are companies changing over their fleets or how current and on an average, would you say that, uh, that their trucks are like, are they at most maybe five years old or three years old or how often do they turn them over? It's pretty all over the board, to be honest. And it, and it kind of depends on the industry. So in construction, you know, for like, like, like uh, road builders and earth movers and things like that, they try to keep it, they'll have it older because that equipment ages it's ex more expensive so they yeah. want to keep it around as long as they can um but as far as like fleets of trucks pretty new i would say most of it's pretty new now i would say three to five years is the cycle for a lot of them or where they'll do it you know by mileage or by hours but 
uh, it, they're generally pretty new. And so then you have to start dealing, like when I walk into places like that, that have equipment that's under warranty, now I have to retailer my proposal and how I'm going to help them to make sure that they are, you know, keeping that warranty in place with what they're doing. And then also taking care of the vehicles once they're out of warranty. So. Yeah, that's, that's something that's really interesting. Cause like I said, most of what we're chatting about on, on the podcast with companies and things like that. It's just, it's just one truck this guy's had since 1996 or 2003. He's never getting rid of it. And, and, you know, this whole, you know, the last, last week, you know, thinking about this podcast, I'm like, you know, this is changing a lot of the things, a lot of the questions I ask, because I've never thought about all these trucks and how I would maintain dozens of them or hundreds or, you know, maybe even thousands of them. And, but I imagine, you know, that the questions are, are very similar. And I think whether it's a fleet manager or an individual owner, we all want our, our vehicles to not be down, to be up and running. And there's so much information out there and it's so hard to keep up on it that we just don't know where to turn. And I think that's, you know, like what you do and the experience that's that you have exactly. and the knowledge, I could just call you up and say, Hey, what do I need? And then yes. when can I get it here? Yes. <laughs> Those are my favorite calls. I love it. I still have, I still have connections from my last company that will call me with those questions all the time. Um, and I'm so happy to help, but nobody, I don't expect you to be a customer. I love answering those questions for anybody. So, but that's, yes, that would be my job. And I would hope that, right. Like I, I actually went down to Shell's corporate last year before um, COVID came to help them be better at targeting their heavy equipment audience because I have done a good job at being that resource. Like we want to market ourselves as the distributor and as the rep, or I would hope so a good rep would want to market themselves as someone who can wear that hat for the fleet manager to help take that burden of the million hats that they have to wear every day, you know, off their plate and I can help make sure that they're using all the right products in all the right places. Their guys can text me or call me when they've got a new unit coming in or they're, they're bringing a new piece into their fleet and they don't know what to use. They lost the manual, you know, they can't figure out what it calls for. And then you get a lot of this equipment now, at least on the construction side, is starting to call for zinc free engine oils. And the only real reason for that is because they anticipate as environmental regulations get tighter and tighter down the road that all oils are gonna have to go to zinc free. And that's nothing to do with the performance, that's everything to do with the biodegradability of the product if it were to get spilled. Um, And so then having to keep all that in mind too as as new regulations are coming down the pipe for these fleet managers. I know this question, I I definitely didn't prepare you for it because I didn't think, I didn't even think of asking this question until right now, Uh is (laughs) with the, the push towards electric vehicles which we're seeing i know on the diesel pickup truck side and the enthusiast side it's just massive resistance not necessarily to the technology but just anything new is is different and it, it's hard to it's hard to convince them hey you don't need this you know five nine or six seven cummins or this power stroke um this electric power power plant's going to be what what you buy what do you find on your side of it with a lot of the talk and you know, a lot of the ideas as it relates to electric power with, with vehicles. And I don't even know about equipment. I mean, that's almost a whole different topic in itself, but I was curious what, what you find on your side. 
you know, and I don't hear much either because I am more on, on the diesel side and there's less talk of it there. There's much more talk of it in the, the passenger car market right now. Mm-hmm. But I have gone to electric vehicle lubrication trainings. Um, I think people forget that there's still metal on metal friction that's happening within these vehicles. So they're still going to require different oils. Um, everybody wants to get rid of big, bad oil, but they forget that it's more than just fuel. Yeah. It, you know, it's used in a lot of different every setting um we're seeing so yes oems are trying to push and they're, they're coming out with their f- flagship things we've got you know everybody's got one it seems like every oem is making their electric version of their thing but there really has not yet been any real discussions around it on our side or in our industry and what we're seeing um but definitely in the passenger car market yeah, I imagine, here yet. yeah it, it's so hard to even imagine how it could be a part of the, the I would say it's not realistic yet yeah you know yeah. The, what they're coming out with just isn't quite there for the needs that we have yeah that's very true yeah it's it's there's so many different topics with within this industry and it's all it's so hard to condense it Yes. You know, even into a podcast episode is, you know, there's your experience with construction, figuring out what industry you wanted to be in, what you've learned so far, the expertise that you've developed, what your customers asked for. And I know there's so many different, there's so many different types of backgrounds of people who listen to the podcast and they might have a specific question for you. There might be a fleet manager out there that's like, Hey, I, I need some solutions. And you know, people are just curious about learning more or a woman out there who's really passionate about getting involved in diesel or any industry in general and, you know, heard, heard what you said and is inspired by it. Where can people find more information about what you do or if they have questions for you, whether it's related to oil or construction or just getting involved in an industry? Where, where's the best place to, to learn that and get in contact with you? So the best place I would say would be my Instagram, which is at the dot oil dot lady. Um, I am most active on there. I am on all platforms uh, so they can find me on LinkedIn as well. And and you can, you can look by the oil lady. You should be able to find me that way or Wendy. Um, Facebook, my company. So I work for a distributor called Realco Lubricants. Their corporate office is in the Quad Cities. So we are in Rock Island, Davenport area. I, um, they took me on to grow the Chicago market. So that's where I'm based out of. We've got a facility here in Chicago. We are just getting into the Michigan market. We are also, we, so, and we handle all of the state of Illinois, Northwest Indiana, soon Michigan, and then um, Iowa. So anyone within those places can work with me directly if they want to. I can provide all their products for them and solutions that they might need. Um, But outside of that, I'm happy to help be a resource for anyone nationwide or even in Canada and other countries. Um, I have a network of people that I can utilize and pull upon to get them help locally if they need help locally. And then uh, I'll I'll answer any question they have. So if they want to reach out on any of my platforms or they can go to my website, I have a lot of great information that I try to keep there. And it's mainly need to know stuff. So new specs that are coming out. Um, here's here's a handy chart that I found that might help you out or a, an article that pertains to a lot of people. I try to keep it really good, usable information there. And that is um, the dash oil dash lady.com. Perfect. I think, I think that there's a, 
there there's so much you know especially with the, the part that i come back to is um you know how do i figure out what it is that that i want to do and then how do i get involved in it and how do i differentiate myself and i mean that could be a whole podcast episode in itself yeah. which maybe yes, in the future absolutely. we can do something like that mm-hmm. is 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 chatting about that part of it but i know you know with the um with oil and lubricants and, and maintenance is how important that is and it, it that feels like it's changing rapidly as well especially in the pickup truck side with new models and, and new yep. different things that are going on and so i think you know the information that you provided and and the story that showed was really interesting i appreciate your time today i know you know mondays are, are kind of hectic anyway with no, uh, with all this going on but it was fantastic to chat with you and learn more and and hear your story and and where um you know, we can get in contact with you to learn more information. Absolutely. And anytime, any topic you think of that has to do with this stuff, I'm happy to come back and we can really dig into it and get into the, the technical side of it. So, I mean, if anybody asks you questions, then you can send them my way. Don't forget, Diesel fans, go on over to YouTube, search the Diesel Podcast, hit the subscribe button, get notified of our episodes right when they release. And if there's any questions that you have or you'd like to be on the podcast, the best way to get in contact with us is to find us on Instagram. Just search the Diesel Podcast again. We'll pop right up and send us a direct message. If you got a project you're working on, if you have questions about something going on in the diesel community and automotive in general, or maybe you just want to share your build and, and ask some questions and need some help getting you know some questions answered or direction for some parts, anything like that. We love chatting with you guys. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.